Welcome to Stuck in My Mind Podcast, the show where we dive into the mind of a regular guy on his road to self-discovery. You'll hear everyday people just like you share the latest topics, personal stories, and things they've learned along the way. And now, please welcome your host, Wise. And welcome to another episode of Stuck in My Mind. I am your host, W-I-Z-E Wise. And as always, let me just give a big shout out to all the essential workers out there. God bless you. Be safe. So I'm back with another amazing interview today, all the way from, I hope I'm pronouncing it right, but uh, Jaipur, Rajasthan. I hope I pronounced it right. Um, when he comes on, I'll ask him how to pronounce it correctly. But I'm hoping I did pronounce it right. All right, so welcome to the podcast. We shall, Sony. So welcome to the show. How you been? I'm good, Will. How are you? I'm so doing. Positive. I'm doing amazing, man. I'm blessed. As long as I'm waking up every morning, I'm blessed, man. That's great. That's true. So I see you're um, into health and fitness, and and you're and I and I, I'm looking at some of your videos that you posted and. And you're an amazing guy, man. So uh, tell us a little about your story, man. All right. So my story goes back, uh, I would tell you probably. So right now I'm living in this city called Fujairah. Okay. So Fujairah city is in the United Arab Emirates. And I've spent a majority of my childhood growing up here in the city itself. So um, telling a little bit about my childhood, just briefly. So my childhood has been good. I have a, like, my parents care a lot for me, but... The weak part in my whole childhood was basically my education. So my education wasn't good enough. And uh, I was like a low grader, I should say, and used to fail many times in school. So education was always my weak part. Whereas the, the thing which made it even more hard for me was like I'm in a family where I have an elder sister and she is like super smart in studies. She is uh, passionate in many, like she has many hobbies and stuff. And whereas I'm like the completely opposite, I, I literally had no interest. <laughs> I didn't have good studies, good educational background, nothing of that. So uh, because of that reason, my childhood has been rough initially because of this, like the education part. So uh, what used to happen was I used to get low grades and I used to be compared in the house. Like, you know, you should try to be like your sister, uh, study harder so that you can get good grades like her. And, you know, socialize more with people. She she talks so nicely with the guests and all. So why are you so quiet and stuff? So there were many things in which I was weak and I was always, you know, compared to and maybe told to look out, like, you know, seek seek some uh, good stuff some, from my sister. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, it seems, I'm sorry. It seems like that. that's in every family. It's like there's always one sibling that's <laughs> up there and yeah. and that's who the parents measure you to when in all actuality you're not your sibling you're you're you you're yourself right. and you're never going right. to be able to live up to what your sister does because what your sister does is her and this is you yeah. so and, and and i get that it's 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 kind of difficult because me personally i got five older siblings so it's like i'm the baby so it was kind. Of, it, it was. I was. I wouldn't have that situation. I was more babied than anything, which I'm not gonna lie. Really? <laughs> yeah. So uh, basically, that was that was the part where I was uh, basically suffering during the childhood because my grades were not good and I was not good at anything special. Didn't have any interest or something. 
So what happened was I used to try good enough to try to get good marks, but that basically I, I was just letting my parents down because they had expectations that I would improve someday. So what happened by the time I reached ninth standard, uh, Firstly, what happened was that because of this repeated behavior within the house, like, you know, high expectations from me and me not able to fulfill that and then complaints and stuff. What that made out of me was I eventually just became very silent and I never felt like sharing my stuff ever to the family because I started to feel that, you know, even if I'm getting low marks and I'm saying that, you know, I'm not able to, I'm trying hard, I'm trying hard. But still, if I get that, you know, you should try harder, then that makes me feel like, you know, maybe I should just stop telling what I feel. So I had basically become just too silent of a person by the time I reached my ninth grade. And uh, when I was in ninth grade, I gave my exams and stuff. What was happening at the background was that my parents, uh, my father had basically decided to send me to a boarding school in India. Now, he made this decision not just to, you know, not just to make it hard on me, but of course, because everybody's parents care for their child. So my parents took that decision because they wanted to send me to boarding school in order to, like, uh, get better grades, get better at uh, education. And uh, because my father always used to say that, you know, 10th grade is one of the most important classes. So you go on with your life like you have to hold on to that results all your life like you'll have to show it to many places and stuff so it's better to have your 10th grade done rightfully and also he wanted me to go to india and live in a boarding school uh, boarding school specifically because by doing so he believed that i would develop a character because i would be living individually not with the parents so everything is independent and i have to be responsible for everything so with those expectations, my parents decided that. Now, when my parents asked me that, you know, we're going to send you to a boarding school, at that time, as I told you, I was silent. Uh, in my heart, like, my heart was racing, and I was like, I don't want to go. But outside, I just said that, fine, I'll go. So that was the thing. Uh, in the middle, yes, one or two times, just out of fear, I did say that, you know, I'm not sure if I want to go. But majority of the time, I said that it's fine. So my parents believed that, you know, it's just some mood swings or something. So they didn't... Uh, do anything about that as such. So, so is, I'm sorry. So, is your family originally from India? If that's we all are from India, basically from okay. the state of Rajasthan. So uh, then they decided to send me to India. Now, this is where I would say is the second phase of my whole story, like my life story. When I was here in Fujera, the kind of friend circle that I had, uh, I just need to brief you up with that. Okay, so until ninth standard, I was in a school where. We just had, a, you know, like a small boy group or something like it is a co-ed education, like it's a co-ed school, but we didn't uh, talk to the girls. We didn't talk to the girls that much at that particular time. So it was like all boys. And stuff. I wasn't comfortable interacting with the girls. That was the first thing. And the all the friend circle which I had, like we all were just decent kids, man. At, at least till ninth standard, I know that we all were just too decent. Uh, we didn't know how, like, we didn't curse anybody, like, we didn't say bad words or something, our body language was correct, and, like, as decent as you can imagine, so we were them. I noticed that within the hostel, when I was looking at anybody just walking around the hostel, uh, they had a completely different body language, they had a complete different style of walking, dressing up, uh, talking to each other, like, talking to each other, like, now I'm telling you about how it is in India. Like everybody has that, you know, uh, from area to area, of course, it depends. So when I was in hostel, I could see that, you know, kids are walking around and they're cursing each other just for fun and they're laughing about it. They're not taking anything seriously. It's like a, it's like a normal uh, language for them. 
and uh, they had a completely different body language how they walked how they sat how they like interacted with each other and i was like completely i was completely new to that environment and although i didn't want to adapt to that i was just trying to adjust to that what i did was i was just observing them but i was not trying to learn what they're doing like i didn't feel like cursing was a good thing <laughs> for me it was like manners <laughs> so anyways i was trying to adjust so what happened was even they were noticing me at the same time now what they started to notice was that i had a different body language the way how i spoke now this is a difference like since i grew up here in fujairah the way how i speak the mother tongue which is hindi was a little bit different like on a few words i was speaking them a little bit different whereas they all had been speaking the mother tongue like since childhood and they are pretty much comfortable because they had been in that environment but i was here like obviously i speak the mother tongue in my house but in my house my parents wouldn't tell me that you know this word you're speaking it wrong speak it like that it's casual so when i went to hostel they started even noticing the words which i was saying incorrectly they started to notice how i looked how i dressed up how i walked so i was being judged from judged in all areas now what happened in this duration was i was feeling awkward uh, i was i was not like i wasn't comfortable with that situation to make things worse what happened was like it didn't take long enough to uh, for a bad situation to come so it was just the sixth day in hostel and i was uh, it was a vacation in our school so i was in the hostel and i was just taking around in the corridor on the floor which i was there in the hostel so i was just walking around the corridor and i decided that you know i was feeling bored i didn't make any friends by then like i was alone completely alone and nobody tried to interact with me as well so i was completely alone what i decided was it was vacation and we just had lunch came back to the hostel so i decided i'll take a walk around the corridor just see what the other people are doing uh so in our hostel we have a door with a small slit to look through like inside the room what people are doing so while i was working i was just checking so some some people were studying some people were sleeping some were just having fun and stuff then i came across one room where uh, it was completely crowded like there were uh, 10 people or something inside that small room so that caught my attention i was just trying to you know that caught my attention so i was trying to peep inside and just see what's happening like natural instincts so uh, when i tried peeping someone caught me that i was trying to look inside as soon as i noticed that i started walking back in the corridor as if i saw nothing but that was too late as soon as i took a few steps the guy came uh, comes outside and you know asked me in a very angry tone like what the hell were you trying to see in the room huh? and stuff like that and i was like nothing nothing i was just walking by i didn't see anything and then he started cursing me because for him it was pretty normal but for me it was it was like shocking like what the hell are you telling man <laughs> you're cursing at me stop <laughs> so when he said those bad words i was completely triggered but i controlled my emotions i was like you know hey man come on please uh, just watch your language man i didn't say anything to you so uh, just watch your language you cannot say all those things to me regardless of what he actually meant i was focusing on the bad words <laughs> and then when i said that he understood that you know i'm a i'm a new guy and i am not comfortable with that so he just like uh, shot four or five more words at me and i was like then i was triggered then i was like you know you better shut up man <laughs> that's all i knew that's all i knew i could say that you better shut up man so uh, gradually the conversation the verbal argument started and when the uh, tone increased the people from inside the room came outside and one of the guys from that group started saying that hey come on chill guys uh, don't fight in the corridor 
and if you want to solve this come come inside the room and talk it peacefully like you can do this peacefully since i was a new guy and someone giving someone is giving that solution i'm like sure why not that's what i want <laughs> you wanted so, the yeah you wanted the invitation the invitation inside the room <laughs> yeah I, I i didn't know what happens in india yeah. i didn't know that people are like bam within that day itself <laughs> so everybody went inside the room and i was probably the last a second last person to go inside the room and the last person was the guy who was arguing with me so when i entered the room uh, everybody like took both the sides of the room and they left a passage in the middle so i was standing there alone by myself because no friends there we go and the last guy who comes in he locks the door and starts to remove his t-shirt and gets shirtless and stuff and then after removing his shirt he's like you know you mind you might want to remove your shirt as well i was like clueless what's going on i was clueless <laughs> i didn't know he was going to fight but i had that instinct telling me so uh, when he did that and he asked me to remove the t-shirt i was like uh, i don't i don't think i need to do that i just told him like that and that's when uh, a few people started giggling in the room and then he just got triggered again he came towards me gave me a hard push now another thing my whole childhood never got like never physically fight, never had a fight or anything Never man never <laughs> that was your first like, first fight in and experience your fight first I was I was beat up so that that's not a fight right okay. so the only thing which I might have done until ninth standard here in Fujairah is like maybe just maybe I might have pushed somebody <laughs> so that's all I could do when he pushed me that was like you know oh oh no you're not going to do that so I pushed him as hard as possible that's all I could do <laughs> uh i learned karate too like i learned karate in my childhood but you know like learning these kind of stuff never come out when they need to <laughs> so <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't reaction you didn't you didn't start doing any of the stuff you learned <laughs> nothing at all so uh at that particular time uh, i just pushed him hard he banged up uh, like with the impact he went towards the door but he pounced back on me and when he did at that time i was on the floor just the next second the next second i was on ground i don't know where the punch and slap was coming from and uh, all i could remember was he just held my hair and like banged me on the floor very hardly oh, and as soon as he did that i was like that was the first time in my life when actually everything became blank and my eyes were still open <laughs> so i couldn't see anything i couldn't see anything i'm glad you can laugh at it now cuz i'm sure at that time it wasn't funny but i'm glad you, you no i know i'm glad you can find you can laugh at it now cuz you you like you you laughing and and you're telling the story so i'm glad now it's like you can reflect on it and, and just laugh on it where other people would just would keep using that as a crutch and 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 just let that defeat them all the time true very true it's like you know experiences in life they always teach you something even if they're hard later in life you'll always feel that you have learned something from that no bad experience goes without learning no not every every experience is a life experience everything that happens in your life i'm saying you have to either grow from it i'm saying usually me person when i make mistakes and errors i try to learn from the mistakes and errors and whatever life experience i've i've happens to me i just try to learn from that and try not to make the same mistake so what happened was uh, i became completely blank like i couldn't see anything and as soon as i it became blank obviously my facial expressions might have changed too so the other guys who were watching me were like hey, hey calm down man calm down he might die or something <laughs> because i was new and all right just to tell you 
at that particular time since my childhood i never gained weight so my whole childhood has gone like you know i used to in- eat like incredibly i used to just eat so many things even if it's unhealthy but my body never showed any results like it did, it never got fat so in my house my family used to like you know just joke or joke about it like you know you have a straight food pipe like you eat <laughs> you remove but anyways so i was skinny at that time i was extremely skinny and when they saw that i was blank they they decided to you know just get the guy off me and as soon as i got back my consciousness that's when i did one of the most stupidest thing i could ever do so there i am being beat up in that fight i got up and went towards the door because nobody was doing anything they were just looking and staring at me and laughing so all i did was i went towards the door stepped out closed the door and i i almost took two steps towards like i just started walking but then i decided like you know inside come on i don't know if it's only for a man but i speak for a man in this case you know when you're a man and you get beat up even if you're skinny you have that aggressive nature in you like you, you know have that, you have that anger like damn i just yeah. got my ass whooped and yeah. um yeah. yeah i'm not happy about this so i think i'm gonna go back around and turn inside the room that's me yeah. personally that's how i would have like you know what i think i want another second hand of this <laughs> exactly so what happened was i took a few steps and then i was like you know i'm feeling that anger in myself that i got beat up in front of all these guys man that's not like that's not done so i came back just opened the door enough so that i could uh, pop my head inside and I just popped my head inside and I was like this is now hear me out so I pointed right towards that guy who hit me and I was like boy I'm leaving you this time but next time I'm not going to <laughs> for no reason for no reason I didn't even slap him but I felt like saying that you know I'm giving you a warning this time next time I'll not leave you <laughs> they all started laughing that's the time when I felt very embarrassed I was like I know I said something very stupid <laughs> so I just spoke my way back as quickly as possible went back into my room just covered inside the blanket and you know that's the moment where i started to feel alone that's the moment where embarrassment slowly started to you know make me uh, go into that dark place because i started to realize that i was in a hostel just the sixth day and i'm beat up to this extent feeling alone not even a friend to talk to and i knew that if i complain to the warden the person who looks after us in the hostel i know that it might cause more issues because it, as soon as they get to know that i've complained that's going to be like oh yeah they're going to they're going to come after the snitch that's how they're going to look at it <laughs> yeah so uh i i was i started to feel alone and uh, the day when i got beat up that's that's where all the bullying in life started so that's the time when i started to experience what bullying actually was because every day as soon as i woke up whether be it me going to the shower or just dressing up or just trying to have some food it was always that anybody saw me they would make fun of me because they knew that i was weak probably that's what i thought at that time so i was alone and i i, I was bullied uh, not just mentally like not just verbally but physically as well so i told you that that was just one incident like if i did have any small argument with anybody by chance if i tried to show a little bit of aggression as well that's that very soon converted into a fight and like they threatened me like they'll hit me or something so i started to feel alone and uh, this went on for about a month or two but since the suffering continued the bullying continued i knew that like i i wasn't in a happy place i didn't have friends so all i could do was think about a solution so what i did was that you know these guys are probably trying to make use of me because i'm weak 
and I'm extremely skinny. So maybe I need to self-depend myself, so build a better body. Now at that particular time, I wasn't that uh, mad psycho type of guy. I didn't have that kind of a hype in me that, you know, I'll build a better body and like beat the shit out of them or something. <laughs> Not like that. But uh, I just wanted to defend myself, like keep myself safe. And at that particular time, in, in the hostel, we never had a mobile phone, no electronic devices, no internet or anything. When I decided that I'll start to build a better body, I knew that it was going to be through exercise. So all I could remember was the types of exercise I've seen in movies, like just, just two or three. And I was like, okay, I'll start doing them. Now, also, since I was embarrassed, I was alone. So the only way I could do those exercises was by hiding and doing it. We always used to have an evening sports time in the hostel. So what I used to do was when everybody used to go to the fields to play football or whatsoever, behind the football field, we had the school bus stand where the buses used to be parked. So I used to go between the buses and try to do push-ups and squats and stuff. Just in a hope that, you know, I, I it will build a better body and stuff like yeah. that. Uh, I started doing that for probably two weeks. For two weeks, I did it successfully. Uh, why do I say two weeks? Because one day after that, like somebody just, uh, the ball by chance came uh, at the backside, the football. So somebody came to collect that and they saw, like that person saw me exercising between the buses. <laughs> that created an interesting topic for everybody to tease me again. When they started teasing me this time, I gave up because uh, I was already not a good student in education or anything. I had been through a family situation where I was like feeling that I'm not good at anything. And now when I started to just try to defend myself, now I'm being teased at that as well. So that made me give up. That made me a little bit disheartened. And I stopped exercising again. Uh, one or two months again, facing through the bullying. And then I realized like this, this, uh, this started to strike me again and again mentally. So it came in my head again after a month or so that, you know, these guys are still bullying me. They saw me exercising, but they are still teasing me. So why the hell did I stop? Maybe I can just exercise and let them tease me. At that particular time, now the second time when I started exercising, this time it was out of pure aggressive nature. Like, you know, I wanted to get that frustration out of me. So between the buses now, this time again, uh, still between the buses though, I didn't want a larger group to see me. So uh, between the buses, I still used to, used to exercise. And uh, this time it was all out of pure frustration. Like when I used to do even the push-ups, barely I could do anything because I was skinny. I was very weak at that time. So barely I could do push-ups, but whenever I used to do any forms of exercise, I was like, you know, in my mind, I was like, that guy bullied me. That guy, I'm, I'm going to do that, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> at that time, it was just that. But anyways, so life went on for about another one month or so. And then I, it was, that's when things changed. Now, here is the good part in my life when it started to come. It was school time and it was library period. Oh, in all this duration of being bullied and all of this, I didn't make any good friends in hostel. I did make good friends in school, but whenever I was in school, like the school time is going on, if any of the hostlers saw me, they used to make fun of me in front of my friends. So that was again embarrassing. But uh, in this whole duration, I didn't make a friend. So I started to sketch, like I started drawing just, just as a fun time activity, you know, just to feel a little bit better. As a release. Yeah, I get it. So uh, what I used to do in all the library classes, like all the library periods, I used to just always take any of these sketching or artworks and you know try to learn something from them but uh, within all this duration i had like just gone through all the books so now it was time like i was bored in the library so i decided that i'll go uh, to the other shelves where the other books are kept now i didn't like reading novels i didn't like reading anything else okay i was not that kind of a person 
So books were not my stuff. But that day I was bored, so I went to the other shelves. Why I'm telling you this detailed description because that really brings the essence out of why this moment was special. So I was near the shelf, and all the books were stacked vertically as they should be. I was just, you know, flipping around the books one by one, try, uh, checking the names and stuff, like if any name is interesting by chance. So as I was flipping one by one all the books. Uh, one book was like hidden behind the books okay. so all the books are stacked vertically and one book is hidden behind so oh, like that, no that, one can see yeah that book was meant for you that book was definitely yeah. meant for you that's why it was hiding <laughs> I, didn't that. I didn't know that but when i saw that there's something hidden behind i was like curious to see what that was when i took that book outside now see i already described how the book was kept and the book read as the secret and i was like hmm interesting the name is also like that so did someone really hide it <laughs> so I was like that. So the moment really, like, right now it sounds kiddish, but at that time I was just barely in 10th standard. So that moment is like something magical. Oh, no, that, that book has touched a lot of people. That book has touched yeah. crazy amount of people have have used that book to, to improve their lives because it is oh. it is a, it's a game changer. It's people people don't realize that if you really sit down and read that book and, and focus on what that book tells you, you really do make a change in your life. Cause I I have the book. I own that book. It's one I, I've re- I've seen the documentary. It's one of those books that you should have in your library. Definitely have it in your library. And if you don't, go out and get it now, because it's <laughs> definitely a, a life changer. Very true. So uh, the way how I found that book and the name read the secret. So I was like, interesting. So it was hidden and it's actually called the secret. But somewhere in my mind, I was hoping like there shouldn't be any other novel or something. So. Uh, quickly, I just uh, turned towards the backside of the book, trying to read this summary, like, you know, what's this book about? I didn't have much hopes, but that really caught my attention, the the way it was hidden and the name and stuff. So when I read the backside, that's where I really became curious to read it. So at the backside, it says that, you know, you can achieve anything that you want in your life. Uh, if you put your mind to it, if you believe in it, you can achieve it. So reading all those stuffs and considering the situation I was in, like weak in studies, weak in everything, being surrounded by these kinds of people, completely alone, uh, being tortured physically and verbally and like everything. So I really needed a change. And that's what the book read. Like I needed that. Still, I wanted to be sure that it was a novel. So I opened up the content page just to re- read what it is about. So uh, when I read the content page, I was sure that, you know, this book is going to help me. Like this is my savior, maybe. So, uh, but still I was kiddish at that time. So I took the book like hidden on my chest and I was like, went to the library and I was like, I want to issue this book. <laughs> so she, I, I said, quickly issue this book for me. I got it issued, went towards my school bag, put it in my bag and I ensured that I'll go to hostel. So I went to hostel and I hid it in my cupboard between the clothes. I was like, nobody sees this. <laughs> I, I read that book only when I was alone. And yeah, so that's how I read that book. Uh, in the, I, I was exercising also, like regularly, as I said, in the evening sports time. Uh, but what that book really taught me was positivity. It really taught me about where I was actually doing the mistakes in my life. It taught me that, like, for example, about my exercise, even if I was doing the exercise just to release, that sounds pretty positive, but it wasn't. Because when I'm doing the exercise, I'm still thinking about what made me come to this place. So... Uh, things really started to make sense and things really started to sort out because of that. And uh, as you said, the book is really life-changing and it indeed is. That's that's one of the books that has taught me something which I follow even today. So at that particular time, however, uh, 
I started to understand where my life was going wrong. Although there are many parts in that particular time where I started to practice the secret in very strange ways. I was like, one day I'm sleeping <laughs> on bed and like my roommates used to torture me by opening the door during winter times. And I was like, I was feeling cold. So one day I just put my hand forward as if I have a superpower or something, just trying to close the door without getting up and stuff. <laughs> so I've done crazy stuff. Uh, I wouldn't say it didn't work after like one and a half hours of like just practicing a dead close and feels like magic. It feels like magic. Really, it does. So it's something which gives you hope and eventually becomes your strength. So I've tried many things with that. And what it really improved for me was I started to imagine that I have friends. I started to imagine that, you know, uh, I'm no longer in a bad place. I'm in a good place. And just started to look at all the things more positively. And what happened was I gradually made more friends in hostel. Uh, I, I made one or two friends in hostel, but they basically, <laughs> those friends are one of the chill dudes in hostel, okay, who became my friends. Because I had my room changed and they were my roommates. So they were chill enough to become my friends and they were chill enough to teach me all the stuff which I needed to know. Like, you know, man, <laughs> they taught me, like, man, come on, see, I know it's bad manners for you and stuff, but you've got to learn the language, man. If you need to curse someone, you need to. Because until you don't, these guys are going to treat you like an alien. Yeah, they're going to keep picking on you until you really stand for, stand up for yourself. Yeah. They're going to keep picking on you and they're going to keep doing it. So, yeah, so they started to make me a little bit more opened up. So I made friends in hostel. That was something good. And I started to exercise for the another reason now. Like now, now I wasn't exercising because I hated those guys who were bullying me. But I'd rather exercise because like, you know, I wanted to build a better body and I felt good while exercising. Yeah, you wanted, so, you, 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 when you, like, like you said, when you first started it, it was, you started it for a negative reason because you wanted to get stronger so that these right. guys could stop bullying you and, and, and stuff. Right. But when you realize that, no, I, I'm, I'm exercising for a better me. Not because right. they're bullying me, because I want to better me and I want to build myself up. That's when you started realizing that this this book is magical. It's, it's different. It's changing me in a way that other people won't see. And if they do see it, it's they're like, oh, man, look, he think he's better. No, it's, it's that you're switching your energy and you're switching your vibe to a much more positive vibe. And you're going to start attracting people on the same vibrations. And I'm sure that's what happened. A lot of you, you started attracting friends that were similar to you, that had similar likes, and enjoyed similar things to you. So, me believe I believe I believe wholeheartedly in the secret. I I believe in 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 like in track and positive uh, whatever it is attracts the same thing. Whatever you are, whatever vibration you are, you're gonna attract the same kind of people towards into your life. So I know I could imagine you just when you realize that. Listen, I'm not I'm doing these exercises because I'm angry. But when you realize that it was. You're doing it now because you want to change yourself. It was probably a switch just just flipped for you. Right. That's exactly true. So the whole purpose of exercising changed. I made friends. And uh, luckily, I met this book uh, in the, in the like, what do I say? In the middle of my 10th grade. So luckily, why do I say luckily? Because that actually helped me get a bit more better in studies. Get me first confident. And when that made me, when that confidence came, I eventually became good at studies as well. So my results in tenth grade were too good. Like I was usually a sixty to like sixty to sixty five percent grader, but in tenth standard I got a good marks. Like I got a good grade, and so my parents were shocked for that. So it, life was shocking, but in a very good way. After that, good things started to happen, and um, 
like when I reached 11th grade, I just like I saw I started to see results in my arms. Like I had those small potato-sized biceps. Okay, so that's where it all started from. So I was like cool showing off like that, uh, <laughs> watching myself in the mirror. But uh, also by the time I reached 11th grade, I was like, you know, okay, I shouldn't stop here. Maybe I should go ahead and try to do something more, like challenge myself to improve my body because this is not just the last goal. So I started also working out in the school gym by the end of 11th standard. Somehow I got the permission for that in the school gym. Uh, the rest of the school life was good. I started to make more friends. I started to get good results. I developed my own character and like sketching was no longer something which I used as an escape, but rather became my skill. I became the co-art captain. I became the art captain in school. So everything was like, you know, now even my parents were saying, like, you know, my son is an art captain. Oh, that, that's nice. <laughs> so uh, things, uh, things started to go fall into place. And um, eventually when the school ended, um, I went on towards uh, university. So it was time to get in the university. My, my father advised me to do bachelor's in architecture. That's, that's a completely different story. I wanted to go into army, navy or air force. I wanted to serve the country. Yeah. So because, you know, the exercising part really was trying to teach me that, you know, strength and like uh, discipline and stuff like that. So I, I changed my ideas, but eventually, anyways, I came down to bachelor's in architecture. So I, I got admission in a very good university. Now, I love architecture as well. It's not something that I did forcefully. I had a good creativity, like because of the sketching, and I love computers just by another interest as well. So it's a combination. So I got into architecture. Yeah, so you wasn't forced and, into it. You wasn't forced into it. It's something you found that you enjoyed and loved. Right. And you did it willingly. You didn't do it right. being forced upon. Because I, I understand in your culture, your parents dictate a lot on that happens. where where yes. you, they want you to go to school and you need to learn what they want you to learn. But I'm glad that you found a passion that you loved and that's what you wanted to do and and you and you and you proceeded to, in that direction and that's and I commend you for that. That's awesome. That's amazing. I'm glad. And, and that, I'm sorry, I didn't want to, I didn't mean to interrupt. I just wanted to. It's, you know. all, right. it's all right. It's good to uh, talk like that. So. Um, as I said, I wanted to go into the Army, Navy, and Air Force. After that, it wasn't like directly I came into architecture, right? So first I wanted to go into Army, Navy, Air Force, but then since I was said no, which I told my parents was like, I want to become an artist. <laughs> so when I said that, my parents were like, you know, they, they told me valid reasons that, you know, why becoming an artist is going to be tough for you. But somewhere I was also feeling, Mom, I wanted to do that, but it's okay. Now, the, why I wanted to say this is because many times, many kids around, like in today's time, when parents say that, no, you should do this, at times they feel hurt and they feel like offended. But what they should try to think is maybe you're being directed to a better direction as well. Like you're being pulled towards a better direction. So I wanted to become an artist. That was said no. Then I wanted to become a designer, some kind of a product designer or fashion designer. That was said no. Uh, after that, I also wanted to become a beat, like software engineer because I love computers. So again, I, I attempted the exams and stuff, but I couldn't do good in that because it's too tough. Like engineering exams were too tough for me. Eventually, my father advised me this, that, you know, let's try to merge your interests. So if you have creativity and if you have computers, you can try to... Honestly speaking, I wasn't that smart enough at that time. I didn't know what architecture was. So I was just Googling what architecture is. When I found out what architecture is, because until that time, I thought that, you know, buildings are just made. Like, who makes buildings? So... <laughs> You didn't know. You didn't know that he drew plans and and drew the designs and all this other stuff. Not at all. Not at all. And like literally, my father told me 
uh, that you know you're going to have your exam tomorrow i've already booked your exam so you have your entrance exam which you need to get cleared in and then you'll eventually get into a good university he told me that and he told me to search about all the details and tomorrow you have your exam so i just have probably like half a day to know what this whole whole thing is about i quickly googled up what architecture is i quickly googled up what the exam is going to be about so the exam uh, i read the first few lines and it said that you know it's going to test your aptitude skills it's going to test your creativity and like your perspective and stuff like that reading those words i was like oh this sound, this seems like all drawing and stuff uh, that's cool so i was like all excited and stuff like okay i can do that so i quickly just uh, closed the page and i was like okay i'm ready for the exam and i slept and the next day i went for the exam and it was actually a three three question like three question in that question paper and it was all drawings question like you had to draw something which they had time to ask you i drew them we had one and a half hour and then i just took my pencil box and i was like okay let's go i'm done <laughs> so i was done with the paper i just packed up and i started to leave when i was just about to leave the invigilator stopped me and he was like wait 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 you forgot the uh, other paper which is on the computer i was like which one and then he was like you have another general knowledge paper <laughs> i was like oh boy <laughs> i didn't know about that <laughs> and i am very like even today not good gk i'm not that kind of guy <laughs> no newspapers and i do not like gk sorry for that i i just read what i want what i think i should know when they made me sit in front of the computer i quickly started just like what i knew i started taking what i didn't know i was just guessing and since the invigilator saw me that i was just taking the questions quickly he came up to me and whispered that you know you might want to correct the answers like take only the correct answers because there is negative marking as well i was like okay <laughs> go all the way back <laughs> restart for me <laughs> and then i started taking the correct answers the wrong ones i left anyways uh, i got a very good results like higher than average i got into a good university and uh, now when i was in a university it wasn't the same experience as the hostel which was in school i was in university hostel as well but now the experience was good i made friends uh, people admired that i used to exercise daily in the morning while everybody is getting ready so everything started to like feel more happy and i was enjoying my life yeah. enjoying everything now this is where i would tell you came the third phase in my life this is the most important phase in my life which i really love sharing with everybody because it has so many things that people can take away from and i want them to learn that what happened was um, when i was in second year it was the time of november 2014 so in 2014 uh, in november time my sister was going to be engaged so she was there in the same city where i was there my father from uh, like my father and mother were staying here in pujara so they came in india just to attend that like because it was a celebration so it was his last night in jaipur the city so it was his last night so he decided to call me from hostel saying that you know let's have a family dinner just come over to the house it was probably evening time and i left from my hostel and i went home and so everybody was going to come together just for a family dinner so uh, like we could just spend some time now when i reached home it was probably around 7 o'clock 7:15 at night in front of my house i see a very cool bike i was comfortable riding two wheelers at that time and i was never that kind of a guy who was thrilled to drive two wheelers or four wheelers very fast like i was not a speedy driver just 40 kilometers or 60 kilometers per hour good speed so um when i saw that bike i was really keen to trying that because it was a nice sporty bike standing in front of the house i was like who who brought this man <laughs> so i went inside so it was my sister's fiance's bike so he had come on that 
So I started requesting that, you know, let me try that bike. Let me try that bike. My parents and mother, like my mother and my father kept saying no and stuff. Nobody was agreeing for that. Somehow after repeatedly asking, they said that, okay, fine, just don't go too far. Uh, another thing before I proceed, our, our house at that time was in a very deserted place, like not many people around. And it was nighttime, winter time in India, so everybody goes back to their house. Like it's completely deserted. So uh, when I decided that, okay, when my parents agreed for that, uh, I quickly went outside, took the bike, went for a small round, just two or three lanes across my house. I didn't go too far because I just wanted to have the feeling of the bike. I was true to my parents. I didn't want to go somewhere else. I was just two or three lanes across my house. I started to have a phone call. I parked the bike adjacent to the road. Now in India, so there was this road. So it's a two-lane road. Uh, one is the going side, one is the coming side. And in the middle, there was dividers. You understand dividers? Yes. You have dividers, yeah. so yes. Yeah. So cement pillars, basically. So um, on the other side of the road, we have that unpaved area. What I did was I parked way off the road just to, you know, I didn't want to stand on the road like being a freak or something. You're just trying to be safe. You didn't want to get hit by no <laughs> nothing coming or anything. It was natural for me. I, didn't, I knew that, like, for me, it was like, I know nothing's wrong going to happen. But of course, who, who the hell parks in the middle of the road? So yeah. I like, went off the road and I parked properly. And I just took out my phone and I was about to see the call, like who gave me a missed call. That's when I started to notice that there was one one car sound, like speeding car sound coming from somewhere at the back. But it was way far. As soon as I could realize, as soon as I opened my phone and started to check the call log list, the speed started to like, that speeding sound started to increase. And I felt like it's actually coming towards me, I guess. So I was like, it's fine. Like if it go just nearby me, I'll see which car is that. Like, yeah. <laughs> let me see that also. Uh, but I was busy checking the car lock list. And as soon as I, like, I, I couldn't realize uh, when the sound became too, too high, I turned back just to see what that car is, where it is, like just to see what's happening. When I turned back, I saw a big white color, like SUV, big vehicle, like speeding. I still, I didn't feel concerned because it was on road and I was not on road. Yes. So what I did was uh, I still tried to check my call log list before it just passes by. And when I did that, that's that's where it just bang. That's it. What happened was, and now whatever I'll tell you, the parts of my story, which people who have seen it, who have been there in that situation have told me about it. So what actually happened was the car had hit me when I was sitting on the bikes, on the stationary bike. The car had hit me. The bike had gone skating in front of the road, like it just went skating. And me, I went like this, just airborne. After I had the accident, after the impact, there were no scratches on my body, like zero scratches on my body, but my face was completely covered in blood. What had ha actually happened was the car hit me and the car went. It didn't stop. That's India. Okay. Wow. Some people do stop. Some people do not stop. Wow. That's India. Airborne flying towards the cement pillar and only my face had directly hit the pillar. So that was the impact. All this, which I've told you, I, I do not know anything about it. Where the accident happened. So in that colony, in that area, we have a security guard, like one security guard who is on a bicycle taking yeah. night rounds just to ensure safety of all the houses. Now that incident happened right in front of him. He was on the other side on the perpendicular road. So, so he, he saw that incident So he saw the whole right. thing. So he saw the whole thing happen. Wow. So... He, he immediately came towards the incidents just trying to, because he saw the car had gone. So he came to the incidents, uh, saw wh who the person is, where he was, and he found me. As soon as he found me, saw the face, he quickly screamed for help because he could, alone couldn't do anything. So 
when he screamed for help there were two vegetable cart like vegetable sellers who were taking their cart back home so they were way far ahead but they they had also heard the bang sound and the bike skating sound so they were concerned so they came back where the person was screaming for help now from this moment onwards i like my life story teaches six good lessons like six lessons which everybody should take so what happened was um they came back they picked me up from the uh, area where i was laying and they put me in the middle of the road so that i can be flat and uh, because in the middle there were dividers and rough bushes and stuff so they kept me on the road now the first lesson which i learned from this incident is that never judge anyone like do not judge any person by appearance by their nature by their education by their looks by their behavior whatever it may be you you should just never judge a person because you never know what he really is why do i say that because that incident taught me why because if i was there in, in that incident and somebody else might had that accident i would not know what to do out of fear i might have taken out the cell phone but if it was locked i would be clueless now that security guard who had found me uh he he's uneducated he hasn't done anything like he he's not that kind of a guy like you you know he's just uh an ordinary kind of a person yeah. so why do i say do not judge this lesson because he took out my cell phone and as soon as he saw that it was locked it didn't take a while for him to think about you know what to do he just quickly broke my phone and took out the sim card and he took the sim and he put it into his own mobile so that he can get the contacts wow and he just he just went through the contacts and dialed the first contact all right now so that's why i say the first lesson in my life or the first mantra i should say is do not judge anyone uh, the second lesson in my life would come many times ahead also in this i would say the second lesson now itself which is that when you desperately need something yourself or a group of people are desperately needing something for a good cause and you really want it god will hear your prayers if you consider god or if you consider that god is not there you consider some superpower whatever it may be like even if you agree or not agree there is a superpower you may call it god you may call it just a superpower yeah, whatever you want to call it. yeah whatever you believe in that's yeah if whatever higher power you believe in i that's that's on you yes absolutely yeah. so the second lesson is that when you desperately really need something and god or that superpower actually hears you and it sends help so what happened was uh as soon as he dialed that contact it, that first contact some people call it call it a coincidence but i call it and like it, it's something really planned like it's that superpower coming into play so the first contact was my senior from college he actually stayed way far from my house but when that call had happened that call took place uh, he was very near to my uh, near to my place but not so near like he would take probably 5 or 10 minutes to come he was closer than he would usually be basically though. yeah so uh, what happened was since he was also shocked when the guard said that you know whoever this is and he is in a very bad condition my senior just out of reflex action just trying to help what he said was i'll quickly go to this hospital this hospital is nearest to this place so bring him to that place i'll keep everything arranged in the hospital just bring him as soon as possible to that place and he cut the call by mistake so not by mistake but just because of the reflex uh, yeah it was so, it was it was yeah he, it was meant for him to to be there for you and 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 definitely yeah. definitely be no, there to he, help you yeah what he failed to understand was that you know the guard was on a cycle and the other two guys were just on a cart and that place was all deserted yeah. so there was like nobody to help me even the guard who was there who saved me he knew me well 
he knew my face okay because he met me weekly once or twice my face was completely shattered and covered in blood that no one could ever like he couldn't recognize me but why do i say the second lesson came again because there were a few cars who were going by but no none of them stopped because of seeing the blood so there was one car which actually stopped and that car like there are two friends who are going one of the person just boast like he said that you know i have seen this guy i think i know him out of nowhere i do not know how does he know me that person even after i had recovered he said that he knew me so basically he was he was my mother's friend's son okay but i never saw that guy but he said that he knew me because maybe he might have seen my photos whenever he came to my house or something in that situation when no one was able to recognize me like the guard wasn't able to recognize me he said that you know i i think i know him so he started to request his friend that you know put him into your car we'll take him to the hospital we need to be quick after a few argument like the friend was telling no he's bloody and stuff i don't want to get dirty and stuff uh, i don't know want to get in a police case so he was giving excuses but the guy convinced like you know i know him we need to take him somehow he convinced that guy they put me into the car they rushed me to the hospital and in the meanwhile my senior had gone to that hospital arranged everything in the emergency and stuff made the doctors prepared for this and he my senior also called my parents um, there are bad incidences in your life but it's all about it's all about staying in it so the moment is so strong because my senior sir calls my parents and at that particular time my father was praying and my mother was in the kitchen cooking dinner for everybody so it's an emotional scene where they are doing something with all their hearts in it and they get to know about this news like any person who's praying might question that you know is this what i was praying for my mother might think like what wrong did she do and stuff so it's a pretty strong incident but anyways so they gathered themselves they quickly came to the hospital and my father called some of his friends as well the doctor started performing the surgery so they immediately cut me open from my right eyebrow like top of my right eyebrow yeah. that's why there is this this rough mark other than anything else this is the rough mark so um they quickly opened me from here and they started to say like when they started to just open it they saw that the skull was completely shattered mm. so as soon as they saw that the doctors literally just you know gave up the doctors as soon as they saw it they said that you know we cannot do the surgery this case is too complex so there i was already lost that much of a blood and i'm cut open and the doctors are saying this a very bad place right now so what happened later was when the doctors said uh, my parents my father basically started to ask help from his other friends one of his friends suggested that you know there is a very there, there is a very good hospital a neuro neurocare hospital like neurologist doctor is there who is very famous and he is experienced in performing these complex cases so we can take him there just for hopes that you know he might fix it now it was a challenge because that hospital was very far so how do we take him because in the city there was still crowd not in our place but in the city it was crowded so now the challenge was how do we take him so quickly so the hospital people were like humble enough they were polite enough to say that you know we'll give our ambulance and we'll take him to the other hospital you don't have to do anything they provided the ambulance and they took me to the other hospital so my parents followed in the other vehicles and stuff and they started performing the surgery my parents were in the hospital for probably a week okay they just stayed in the hospital like they slept in the waiting area on those steel chairs they did nothing if they they only ate food from the pantry or something which was there in the hospital i could imagine man it's it's a it's a, it's some it's terrible to see your son in a situation especially be, being a parent it's like to see your child in that situation 
all you wish for is like, why couldn't it be me? Why not? Why am Why am I not in that situation? Why is my child in that situation? So I could imagine how crazy your parents were and how everything was was going through their minds and everything. Because me being a parent, I'd rather put myself in my kid's place than them be in that situation. Unfortunately, like what was happening at that time, why did they say for stay for seven days? Was because whenever the doctors performed the surgery, and like my parents used to wait for the doctor to come out and say something good for a week. Whenever the doctor went inside and came back out, he would, the case is very critical, and we cannot save your child, but we are still trying. So hearing that, it's like every day you get to hear something which is like you know you're still praying to God. You're just still praying that you know something will improve, some miracle will happen. So for a week, this this was going on. One of my friends from school, not even from university, but he got to know that, and his uh, his parents were so kind enough. They gave their own house keys to my parents and said that you know throughout like any time you want to come to the house, just go to the house. have some rest on the bed because this is not a proper place for you to have rest so you know have some proper rest you can have food in the kitchen and like everybody was together at that time supporting each other and just praying for me what happened after 7 week was the doctor finally came out of the surgery room and he said to my parents that okay he is finally in the safe zone now so we have things under control we do not know how much is the damage we do not know if he would be in a coma uh but we'll see that after he recovers and becomes conscious but now he's in safe hands now it's on us and we'll take care of him in this whole duration before i have already told you that i was positive right because this is going to come into play what i'm going to tell you right now yeah. so um i was in the icu probably like when i when i did gain some conscious when i became conscious uh, i was in the icu and uh, all i could see was when i opened my eyes i could see my parents in front of me when i opened my eyes okay why did i say that i was positive because by that time i was that kind of a person who never wanted to see anybody cry who never wanted to see anybody emotional or upset or depressed in front of me even if it's a stranger even if it's an enemy even if it's like anybody i just wanted the per- i just want everybody to smile around me like that felt like my purpose in life that was my nature at that time when i opened my eyes and i saw my parents i remembered everything so i when i saw them crying i was like no 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 don't cry don't cry i want to make you guys happy so i was trying to do something but my situation was that i had crepe banded all over my head yeah. and uh, one eye was covered as well uh, one of my hands was completely plastered from my shoulder till my fingertips and the other was tied to the stretcher like i did tell you that nothing happened to my body yeah. why did they plaster my hands because uh, they were trying to put pipes in my chest to put some uh, fl- like necessary fluids and stuff unconsciously when they used to go outside the room i used to pull that out yeah, okay so uh, they felt that it was crazy they thought that i was doing it consciously but i never knew that i did that why would i do that so what they did was initially they put another hole and they put the pipe again when i did it second time they decided that they'll just simply just plaster my hand so i was in that condition i knew that an accident happened to me but regardless of how i was i wasn't thinking about that i was thinking about why are my parents crying <laughs> till i'm okay i'm alive i was i also wasn't able to speak because my jaw was locked at that time like it was uh, braced with all those i don't know wiring yeah i'm dead they had to wire your jaw and it shut and everything i could imagine man you just yeah. had surgery on your on your face and your head and i'm like i'm amazed by your story i'm amazed you even st- sitting here talking to me right now 
And um, it's just, I guess that's what God intended was for you to survive this and, and tell your story and, and put it out there, man. Because after this recovery and, and trying to recover from all this, I'm sure you had to learn how to chew and, and a whole bunch of other stuff. And Yeah. So uh, basically what happened was like on my face, the front part of my face, because of the impact, the, the face had directly hit the concrete pillar. Now, to tell you something more about the impact, was reinforced like it was an rcc pillar not just a concrete pillar and when they found me at that incidence i was laying above that pillar and the pillar was broken into three parts so that's the impact now talking about my face the pillar was broken into three my face was broken into 14 okay so literally i have like i i still have the x-ray photos of my skull uh, I, could, I could I could show that to you to explain uh, what it is. No, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. I, I, I take your word for it, brother. Man, I'm I'm good. I don't I don't need to see it. <laughs> so uh, no, basically, I have to keep that photo because. Uh, oh no, I, know, I understand why you keep it. I I understand why you keep. It. I just choose not to see it because no 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 I don't need to yeah I no, take your like, word for it. Uh, I can imagine how it looked. <laughs> I actually have to keep that because you know whenever it's a complex case. Be it my, be it if I have to go to the dentist to clean my teeth or anything, like I have to show them that this is my face and this has happened, uh, so they know how delicately they have to uh, handle the case. Anyways, so my face had broken into fourteen, uh, like fourteen fractures. Like it's between my eye sockets, it's from my jaw, like from various places. But the doctors were good enough. Like if you see my face right now, it doesn't feel like a broken face at all. So the doctors were so skilled enough, and I'm thankful for that. And the the only difference that you can see now is that one of my eyes, this, this right eye, is down. So if you if you if you look at that very carefully, then you notice that you difference notice. that this eye is a little bit down because of the accident, of course. And because of that, like my glasses are special. Like these are not the normal glasses. You can see this is the normal lens. Yeah, and that one's a big old lens over there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for, for my for my for my cuz I'm a audio podcast. So yes, people, it is a thick ass lens on that on that glass. It's actually a prism uh, prism lens. Yeah. It's called a prism. Okay. Okay, I'll I'll cover that part when I'll get to it. So basically what I happened was I opened my eyes and I saw my parents crying in front of me. So at that moment what I felt was like, you know, I the first thing that first instinct told me that okay, I'll try to make them happy. My jaw was locked, but I still tried to do something, anything that I could. So with the hand that was just tied to the stretcher, not the plaster one, the one which was tied to the stretcher, I just tried to move it and try to wave at them. When I did that, they started crying even more. When I start, when I tried to smile just to make them happy, they cried even more. And I was like, nothing is working according to my plan. Like I knew that whatever I could try, it wasn't working. So eventually I was like, okay, let them gradually, you know, get used to it. Let them calm down by themselves. When I recover, maybe I'll try to make them cheered up and stuff. So with a few more days passing by, uh, like maybe, maybe just two or three days later, my mother was standing in front of me. I, I remember that I used to sleep a lot at that time. When I woke up, my mother was standing in front of me and my mother is like, she had already tears wiped from her eyes. I knew that. She looked right at me and she was like, Utka, like she, she she was telling in Hindi that, you know, you woke up, you remember me, no? And that was like the first time they were talking to me. Yeah. <laughs> so my mother was like, you remember me, no? They were trying to test if I was in coma. And I nodded yes. Then uh, then she was like, 
who am I? Say who am I? <laughs> With my jaw locked right. somehow. I, <laughs> like, <said. laughs> I wish I could. My, my mouth is wired shut. <laughs> With my jaw locked somehow, like, you know, imagine that. Like, if your teeth are locked somehow, right. we can't try to. So I'm sure you try to make some kind of sound to, to let yeah. her know who you were, who she was. I, I, I just said mummy. Like, we can't say mummy even if her jaw yeah, is locked. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, luckily, I can <laughs> so luckily I was able to say that. I said like, mommy. So she understood and she, she burst into tears again. And I was trying to make her happy. That didn't work out. My father was there standing behind my mother. And then my mother was like, you want to ask or not? <laughs> so my father was like, no, it's okay. He was also in tears and stuff. It was a emotional scene at that time, but my parents didn't stop. Uh, uh, before saying the next incidents, uh, comes the third lesson, the third mantra, which I say. Yeah. That is, you know, many a times people think that nobody cares about them. Many a times they feel alone. Why do I say this? Because when I was here in this school, like in Fujairah, I had friends. But when my parents decided to send me to boarding school, I was sent to boarding school. And in that vacation, in that boarding school, I quickly went on to Facebook to see that, you know, how many people messaged me. And on Facebook, I saw that none of my friends had messaged me. None of my friends had even thought about where Vishal went. So I felt like, I felt neglected. And then from school, when I went to university, the same thing, same exact thing happened again. And I was hurt again. By that time, I had lost faith on friendships. That was something personal. That's the, that does not mean that I didn't used to talk to people. I was very friendly. I just wanted everybody to be happy. So I was like that kind of a guy. But I didn't trust friends. And I felt I, I did feel alone sometimes thinking about the older friends. So this is where I learned the third lesson in my life, which is that you are never alone. There are like many people in your life who are constantly worried about you, constantly thinking about you, and they care about you. Yeah. The only difference might be that they might not be able to show that. They might not be able to express it or meet you or talk to you or things like that. Yeah. But people do care. Why do I say it? Because the amount of love that I saw when I was recovering in that ICU was tremendous. So I was just in second year in my university. I was there in the ICU. And I remember that the fourth or fifth day when I got conscious, when I got conscious the fourth or fifth day after that, people from my college started to come and visit me. When I say people started to come and visit me, this is like actually the shocking part for me and it was very heart touching for me because not just two or three guys. On the first day when they, some people tried to meet me, where 14 or 15 people from my class who came to meet me. On the next day, like the whole class came to meet me. My whole group of 40 students in my class came to meet me. On every day, on each and every day, some of the other used to come on every alternate day. They used to decide that, okay, today we'll go and meet him. Yeah, see, so you, you assume that they, they didn't, they didn't care cause they didn't send you Facebook messages, but in all actuality, a lot of people do care about you, man. They came to check on you and, and make sure you were doing good in the hospital, man. That's, that's, that's touching. It's, and, and look, and you thought they didn't care. Look, and, and it right. turned out that they actually do. You do have a lot of people that care about you and support you and, and were, and we're concerned for you, so that that's amazing, man. That's good, man. I'm glad. I'm glad that it it turned that way, where it was you was thinking that no one wanted to see you and one no one cared about you, for you to get that big surprise where you see that wow, my class my classmates do care about me. It, it, it must it must have been a feeling like you were just 
I'm, I'm sure he was overwhelmed with the, with the support and the love. Why do I say this lesson, that this is the third lesson? Because this is something which I learned. And this is probably that many people around who might be listening to this have felt that or might be feeling it right now, you know, feeling alone and isolated, like nobody cares about them. So this is something really which they need to understand that there are many people, it might be your parents, it might be your friends, it might be anybody, but they do care about you. It, it was overwhelming. And uh, anyway, so what happened later was I was there in the ICU for probably four months in this whole recovery period. So four months I was in the ICU. After these four months, actually three and a half to four months, my mother was like not happy watching me in the hospital continuously. So what she decided was she'll go and request the doctors to take me to the house and give this bed rest in the house and she would take care for me. Now, with that in her mind, she went to the doctors and requested for that. The doctor said that it's going to be very critical for you and you have to take uh, you have to take proper attention and, you know, look after him very well. Somehow the doctors agreed and they said that, you know, you can keep him for a week. And after a week, you'll bring him again for a checkup and we'll see how what progress he has made. Like it should not be bad. So with that, my mother was happy. She took me to the house and I was set up in one room on a bed like uh, at that particular time I was having in the, in this whole process I was having a nasal pipe there was a pipe going through my nose which was used for like putting any fluid any medicine through that my mother looked after me for that one week in the house and I was told to have strict bed rest so I was having strict bed rest as I was told and in that whole duration like the family members and everybody used to come and you know give me best wishes and stuff the fourth lesson the fourth lesson in my life, which I learned in a very, like, this is something which people experience every now and then, but I really want to set this out. I really want people to hear this out. The fourth lesson in my life was that you have no idea, but your mother knows best. <laughs> Whatever it may be, your mother knows best. <laughs> so why do I say this? Now, I'll tell you the, what happened after that. So for a week, my mother, only my mother took care of me in the house. My sister was also there. She was also there, but my mother was primarily taking care of me. So after a week was done, uh, I was taken to the hospital and uh, the checkups were done, like all kinds of brain scans and everything was done. But there was a huge swelling in my brain. So that brain had swollen up to this extent that my face was double the size of a normal person. Wow. So it was that much swollen. To reduce that swelling, I was kept in the ICU. So that was the whole reason of the bed rest and the medicines and everything. The brain swelling had to come back to normal and the lost blood count in the brain had to come back to normal. Okay. So it said that an average blood count in a brain is 12 grams. At that time, because of the accident, I was like around seven grams. So I'd lost a lot of blood and uh, that had to be recovered. So in four months in ICU in the hospital, from seven grams, I had gone to around eight and a half to nine grams blood. What my mother did was nothing special. She was just giving me the medicines which the doctors told on time. And uh, just a few things extra because she's a mother. Like she saw me that I, I didn't even eat any food for so long. I didn't even taste anything good for so long. Even though the pipe was in my nose, she decided that she'll give me some fresh juices. Like she decided to put some juice into my body just so that, you know, it goes and does something. Yeah. So uh, when she did that, anyway, so one week after we were in the hospital, we had all the checkups and everything done. And when the checkups came out, the results came out and the doctor was just going through the results. The doctor did something which we didn't want him to do. The doctor looked at my mother like with a 
like a sharp like deep stare at my mother and he was like what have you done <laughs> that itself is scary to hear i mean come on so when he said that my mother was completely like scared what's going on she was nervous like what what did i do wrong <laughs> exactly that's what she asked like did i do something wrong doctor please tell me the doctor just stared at her and he was like how did you do this and then my mother was like doctor please tell me what has happened i have no idea please we can keep him in the hospital if something wrong has happened the next thing which the doctor said was like whatever you have done to him in this one week his blood count has gone from 9 gram to 11 grams in the hospital i was there for four months and i was just 7 grams to eat and have yeah you just went to you went up 2 grams so you spent one week with your mom and you and those 2 grams that you gained at the hospital you gained it one week one in one week with your mom that that's exactly. awesome and that's cuz that's the that's the love and the energy she was probably putting into your care man that that's what that was it, it was the exactly. it was the energy and 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 again it, it's part of the secret again and your energy and the and vibrations and that's what she was putting she was putting in that love and and caring for you and and that helped heal you exactly because she was able to do that with her own hands so that itself is having a lot of energy and like you know she used to think small things by herself like whatever she knew she was like you know maybe i should uh, make him drink as much as possible pomegranate juice because that's like it increases the blood count yeah. so even though it, whatever that may be she knew that so she she just gave me that fresh juice she used to extract it in the house not packaged or anything because in the hospital they did used to put juice at times but it was like artificial so my mother didn't like that oh, she didn't no, favor that she gave you she gave you the natural stuff man she definitely hooked yeah. you up with some cuz natural healing is, is, is that's where it's at and don't let these pharmaceutical companies fool you thinking that oh they got the answer to heal you when there are really natural he- there, there are natural remedies out there to heal your body all right so that's part 1 of a two part series that i have with Vishal Sony and uh we definitely will have the second part later on in the week a uh, big shout out to my global reality radio family Also a big shout out to my Mount Airy family. Uh we will be heading back to work next week. Also big shout out to Poppy J from Talking Real 1000. But let me not forget the biggest shout out all to my beautiful wife Fina. I love you. And as always, wise is out. Peace out. Thanks for listening. Listen on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, and TuneIn. Find us on social media on Twitter at wise underscore b underscore blunt, Instagram at wise underscore b underscore blunt, and a Facebook fan page www.facebook/wise76. Check back soon for new episodes. Until next time, peace out. <laughs>